right, everybody. Hey, welcome to the Ex Nihilo podcast. I'm Eddie. Hey, we're, today we're talking about alcohol. This is a big one for Christians. If you're a, someone, a person of faith, you're going to have an opinion on this. And if you look across the denominational sort of landscape, so to speak, you know, there's all sorts of varying opinions on this, right? You've got Presbyterians having one a different opinion than Baptists and Pentecostals and all these different things. And so the question is, should you drink alcohol? And the bigger part we'll spend a lot of time on is if you do decide to partake of alcohol, which alcohols are going to be the healthiest for you and which ones are the worst? And then what can you do afterwards or during rather you drink sort of both uh, to sort of mitigate the negative effects of drinking? Okay. So I'm going to talk about both. So let's start talking about whether or not alcohol is permissible in scripture. Now, no matter what I say in this section, if you believe alcohol is worth drinking, you're probably going to still drink it. And whether you, and if you think you should never drink it or you should always abstain from it, you're probably still going to feel the same. But I'm going to give you a little bit of a groundwork, a little bit of the landscape um, to help you understand some of the positions here. And I'll give you my position as well. Okay. So let's start in John chapter two. So John chapter two, we find Jesus. This is the wedding at Cana. Jesus performs, you know, several different miracles across the scriptures, but we find him performing his his first one in the book of John right here in, at the wedding at Cana. And there is the famous st- story where he turns water into wine. Okay, this is when the wedding party runs out of wine and essentially Jesus' mom, Mary, goes to him and says, Jesus, you need to do something about this. And so he decides to make the greatest wine anyone had ever tasted at this wedding. And he provides multiple, multiple uh, gallons of wine, so much so that there was much left over. And the crowd even references, wow, normally you give the best wine first and you bring out the, the bad wine or the worst wine later because people are already drinking and so they don't care as much. But instead, you've saved the greatest wine for last, right? And this is high quality stuff here that Jesus makes. Now, the issue of alcohol is a controversial one in scripture, when, especially when it comes to this story. You got to think about it. Some groups, people have no problem drinking moderate alcohol, um, Lutheran, Catholic, Presbyterian, some other non-denominational uh, camps, uh, networks, and, and such. Uh, they don't have any problem. And other Christian groups obviously advocate for no alcohol consumption. That would be most Baptists, many charismatic Uh, charismatic and Pentecostal churches, some Methodists as well. So there's all these different opinions on the story. The point is Jesus turned water into wine. And we do know that Jesus partook of wine. He partook, he partook of the wine in John chapter 13 through 17 in the upper room. And he obviously includes it in the communion elements or the Lord's supper elements. And he creates wine here. And you might say, well, what did he, you know, was this wine or not? And some some camps will tell you it wasn't wine, that this was a sort of Welch's grape juice style, um, uh, sort of firm, uh, grape juice that was not fermented or was fermented in a small amount. And so it, it basically was nothing. And there's just no way to know that that's true in terms of no alcohol. We, we, we probably do know, many scholars believe this is actually legitimate alcoholic wine. And so that, th- trying to say that this is non-alcoholic 
really doesn't hold a lot of weight. It's very difficult to make that case. Just historically, um, it's very hard to make that case, especially since we know what wine consumption was like. I mean, if you think about uh, fermented drink, I mean, even as you get into the, the 13th, 14th, and 15th centuries, even in Europe, I mean, a lot of the alcohol or a lot of the water itself had bacteria in it. You couldn't even drink it. So it was actually much safer to drink things like beer because it was fermented. And so you at least knew you weren't going to die from it. And you get some B vitamins thrown in there. So um, we understand that this was the alcohol was consumed at this period. And so that's going to be my stance. And I think that's probably the stance of most people um, you're going to find in terms of scholarly research, scholarly opinion, and, and even in theologians. Um and so we see, you know, different, you know, we see the alcohol mentioned all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the Bible even, but all throughout the New Testament, you know, we obviously talk about John chapter two, uh, Jesus was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard in Luke seven. Uh, they, they thought that maybe he was partaking of alcohol and eating good food to the point where they thought, I think you may be crossing the line, Jesus. So Jesus had to have been partaking of it because he was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. So how could he be accused of a glutton, uh, being a glutton and a drunkard? Um, you know, to be to be fair, by by religious people. Now, of course, if religious people are accusing you of something, that doesn't mean you're going overboard. It might mean that you're just partaking of it in the first place, and that's likely what was going on. Jesus was not a drunkard. He was not a glutton. He never sinned, and so he wasn't either of these things. It's likely that religious people were making a sweeping judgment on him uh, for partaking of it in the first place. Sounds like a lot of what goes on today. I'm kind of getting a little bit of my opinion on this and my uh, sort of stance on this as we go. Um, Jesus, again, was pouring wine at the Last Supper, right? He says, I'm not going to drink of the fruit of the brine until I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. You're going to see me again one day in New Jerusalem, um, and I'm going to partake of this with you there. Interesting that we get a little bit of glimpse of the new kingdom of God, what's going to happen when Jesus comes back Revelation, right? He's going to come back to redeem, renew, and restore the world. There's going to be a wedding supper of the Lamb where Jesus lays out, and we're going to have food at that table, and there's going to be wine. We're going to drink of the fruit of the vine there. So that's an amazing uh, thought there that Jesus talks about there in Matthew 26. We even have Paul, uh, you may have heard this verse, Paul instructs believers to take a little wine for the stomach. Remember that passage in 1 Timothy? Um, Paul says, take a little wine for the stomach. It's good for your stomach ailments. And we even see wine being uh, sent out and used as a, an element of God's wrath in Revelation. Um, and, and so we know that there are some elements here. Here We obviously, the wine, new wine and wine skins, we see wine being used as sort of a metaphor for the gospel in some of some of the stories Jesus tells too. So there's a lot there. We, we do see alcohol being talked about in the New Testament. We do see it used and mentioned as a, even a positive thing. And maybe most, most shockingly, we see Jesus turn water into wine and it be used to celebrate and to party. And Jesus likes to party. And then at the wedding supper of the lamb, another big party that Jesus is going to throw, there's going to be wine there too, Jesus mentioned. So there's a lot of reasons why alcohol, uh, there are good cases for it. Of course, there are those that teach that the Bible forbids drinking of alcohol or, or maybe that you should just merely abstain from it. The Bible teaches that God obviously makes, I mean, uh, Saul, I'll quote, I'll quote a psalm to you, Psalm 1, uh, 104, 5, verse 15, wine that gladdens the human heart. 
I mean, what does that mean? Scripture's sort of clear that Jesus' first miracle, again, is creating uh, wine at a wedding party, and Jesus ate enough food and drink to be accused of being a, a glutton and a drunkard. There are elements and cases there, if you're even just looking at this Psalm 104, that oh, there's something there that maybe alcohol is okay. Now, when it comes to our freedom in Christ, uh, it is is a good thing for Christians to give up some of our freedoms for the sake of other people. We have, might have friends and family that don't have, lack self-control around alcohol, that maybe call themselves an alcoholic, maybe have some sort of condition where they're not allowed to partake in it and it, and it maybe triggers them in some other addiction they may have around drugs or sex or something. And so it's good for Christians to lay their freedoms down for the sake of others. That is absolutely a good biblical case. That doesn't mean though that we should um, lay down all alcohol consumption because some people may have um, some predisposition towards alcoholism or some other, again, triggering some other addiction. So just because we know of somebody, let's say, maybe it's our cousin John, who, who, or maybe it's a friend at work who may struggle with alcoholism, that doesn't mean you need to lay it down across all times, all cultures, and all seasons because one person uh, has an addiction, okay? Um, you know, a problem occurs when all alcohol consumption is forbidden for Christians just because one person has an issue with it. Okay. We need to, we need to take that into an account. Now, most assuredly alcohol can be used as an evil thing. I mean, that's, that's obviously true. Things like, uh, DUIs or, you know, sexual assault or just being really dumb or really stupid and you losing your self-control. All those are reasons why you should not drink. I mean, Ephesians 5.18 is a quintessential verse. Do not become drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? These are important reasons why we wouldn't consume alcohol. But that does not mean um, that just because someone we know could stumble from it, that we should abstain in, abstain in general, okay? Uh, I agree with that, right? The Bible is obviously clear that we should avoid things like drinking in the presence of people that you know, are unable to practice things like moderation. Like we talked about that. That's 1 Corinthians 10, uh, Romans chapter 14. But again, practically it means if you're more married to someone who's an alcoholic, you shouldn't drink. Uh, if, you're, if you have a child or, or you have a grandchild, someone around you, if you're older, that uh, that is uh, an alcoholic, you should not partake of it. Uh, you should not. You should You should for lay your freedom down for the sake of other people in that case. Okay. So that, that's an important um, juxtaposition. I have a few friends that are alcoholics. I would not want to drink too much in front of them. I don't want them to stumble. I don't want to be the reason by which they fall into sin. That is a biblical principle. We want to agree. Um, now, despite what people who tell you, you should never drink. Um, maybe my friends that are like straight, strict, more strict Baptists, by the way, I got some friends that are Baptist that drink, okay? I know they signed the Baptist face and message. I wouldn't drink if I signed that, but they drink. So just let throwing it out there. But for those that are actual practicing Baptists um, and, um, do, and do not drink at all, Despite what you guys say, hey, my, my, I do not believe that alcohol is a sin in and of itself um, without any sort of qualification like someone around you is an alcoholic or that you're drinking too much, okay? I think it's unreasonable to be um, uh, hampered by what other people are telling you and not drinking as long as there's nobody around um, that is going to stumble, okay? Here's what we know. 
the Bible again is unilaterally, unilaterally and wholly committed to um, not liking drunkenness. Okay, you should not be a drunkard. We know that the Bible absolutely teaches that, right? Just quoted one, Ephesians five eighteen: Do not become drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's all over Matthew, Luke. Ecclesiastes, there's all sorts of references that if you just do a search on the word drunkenness and look that up and, and type in with a Bible verse, you're going to find a ton of them. So we do not want anyone to be a drunkard. There is an element of moderation. There is an element that uh, there's an element of you can go too far. How far is too far for you? I think we'll get into that in a second. Okay. But I do think alcohol, being careful with it is important because it's such a serious it's a, such a serious thing. You guys remember the, the, the priests, they were not allowed to drink alcohol lest they die while they were, um, while they were on duty. That is a big deal for God. God does not want priests drinking in any, any amount or they would die. That's a Leviticus verse. Um, so you have to be very careful around that though they could probably consume alcohol while they weren't drinking. And there's Old Testament verses for that. We, we see that throughout uh, the Pentateuch as well. Um, no leader was able to drink while making a legal decision, right? That's a Proverbs 31. And, and, and so we have to understand that this is a very serious thing. We know that drunkards cannot even enter the kingdom of God. Okay, we, we, we know that from that's that, that Galatians, I forget, is that Galatians 4 or 5. Um, you will not inherit the kingdom of God as a drunkard. That means that drinking in excess to the point where you're a drunkard is actually a sin, okay? But we do not teach that you should never drink of it. We just teach that there is moderation. I have taught before, I have a whole episode on gluttony, that drinking alcohol is and being a glutton and being a drunkard are oftentimes linked together. Gluttony is not just eating. I think the Bible speaks frequently about drinking alcohol and he turn, turns water into wine, but actually uh, gluttons and drunkards are oftentimes together. I'll give you a verse. Proverbs 23 says this, um, do not be among the drunkards or among the gluttonous eaters of meat for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and the slumber will clothe them with rags. Those two concepts are oftentimes looped together. So be very, very, very careful. Okay. Um, I'm sure you're well aware of the addictive nature of alcohol and it's and how you can stumble into it. So you have to steward this issue. How much should you drink? That's a question. And it is a slippery slope. Okay. Um, just because each state, let's say in the United States and here in the U.S., has a legal limit for what they deem you should not operate a vehicle, that does not mean that is the legal limit for you or the spiritual limit for you. So are you drunk? In um, my a good analogy is, let's say 0.08 is the legal limit where I'm at here in Washington state or in California, just about every state, right? So are you drunk at 0.07? Are you drunk at 0.09? Probably, right? But the Utah's legal limit is 0.05, right? So if, if I'm at 0.06, am I drunk, let's say in, in Utah, but not drunk in, let's say, Washington state, California, New York? Right, it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? So the, the issue is, you know, what is the limit for you specifically? What is your conscious permit? Um, and then what are your actions dictating? Okay, that may be one drink, it may be three drinks, it may be zero drinks for you to be drunk, depending on your behavior. So that's for something you to take to a pastor, to a leader to get spiritual advice, maybe take to a, a counselor to get professional advice, but ultimately 
talk with God about to figure out what is my limit. Um, for many, many friends I know, they shouldn't drink any alcohol because it's too much for them. My opinion through scripture as a pastor is that alcohol is not forbidden. It is not a sin in and of itself. However, much like driving a car, you can use it for evil. You can use a car to get you from to pick up your kids from soccer practice. You could use a car to mow down a bunch of people at a parade, which we've seen recently. Uh, a car is is a sin. It is a it is a, is not void. It is not in and of itself to drive a sin. You can use it for sinful things. I think the same is true for alcohol. Because again, we saw Jesus turn water and wine. I think the same is true for most things. Um, things like sex. Sex is a great gift in a, in the context of godly covenantal marriage. It is not. It is a it is a tough thing to use. It is a sinful thing to get into. Obviously, outside of God's environment. Okay, so that's my opinion. But if you're still listening, you're probably not a Baptist, or at least not one that practices all that strongly, or whatever it is. So you might be wondering. Well, which alcohols are the worst for me? Which ones are gonna, which ones are gonna harm me? And ex nihilo is about, um, you know, it's about performance. Right? We have this element of biohacking in us. How can we have the healthiest body possible? So here's what I'll tell you on health. Okay. What someone might ask the question, what what's the healthiest alcohol? Let me just tell you, there is no healthy alcohol. Hate to break it to you, there's no healthy alcohol. All alcohol is poison. When you sit back at your whiskey bar or your bourbon bar and you go, well, let's see, well, am I going to have the wild turkey or am I going to have the um, Johnny Walker blue label or whatever? I don't clearly drink a lot of that stuff, so I don't, I don't have any concept of what's good and what's not. The point is, you're really not deciding between the nuances of like a great whiskey and a bad whiskey. You're, dis you're, you're discussing the nuances of a which poison you want to partake in because it's all poison. It's all poison. Alcohol is not good for you. Even my most hardcore friends that love their body, they drink every now and then, but none of them will tell you that it's good for you because it's not good for you. So let's get that out of the way. It's not good for you. It, it has an aging effect. It's going to hurt your body. It's going to hurt your liver. Um, it's a de it, it's what's the uh, alcohol aldehyde. Uh, it's the most damaging alcoholic toxin that there is. It's not good for you. It's going to harm you. And when you add sugar to it, which most people do, it makes it even worse. Um, and so it's not good for you. But if you do drink it, there are some better choices than others. And that's the point of this next section, right? Which ones should I drink? Which ones remain healthy? I'm going to make the argument that highly, more highly filtered and distilled drinks are going to be better for you than ones with gluten and sulfites and ones that don't have sugar. If you add sugar to anything, if you if you take the, one of the best, most distilled alcohols and you pour a Coca-Cola in it, it's not good for you, okay? It's already not good for you. It's going to be worse, okay? So I'm going to run down my list. I'm going to tell you which one I think is the best choice um, and which one you should probably never drink. And I'm going to break some hearts, okay, guys? So here's our best choices, okay? And oh, by the way, I think Bulletproof has a great article on this. I'm going to link that in the show notes so you guys have access to that. I'm using a lot of their language in this in this uh, breakdown, so I'm going to link that article to you. Here's the best choice. Vodka. Not the tastiest, maybe not your favorite, but it's the best. And the reason why it's the best is because it's distilled, and usually it's charcoal filtered. Um, you may know that people, when they get poisoned, even alcohol poisoned, they actually... Um, will sometimes pump your stomach with like charcoal 
and that that's because it binds to toxins, right? And so if vodka is distilled and charcoal filtered, that's going to give you the best, most pure version of alcohol. So I would say vodka is the best choice because typically, and typically um, it is the best. Now, if you mix it with like make lemon drop or something, I, does, I think vodka is with a lemon drop. Shows you how much I drink. I, I don't drink. Uh, currently, I don't drink at all. I have drank it in the past. Um, but if you do mix it with sugar um, with any in any capacity, any of these syrups, agave syrup. Agave syrup is still sugar. Still, There's still going to be a sucrose in it, and it's still going to uh, create um, inflammation in the body. Sugar is a, one of the bigger causes of inflammation and even chronic inflammation. And as I've said in the show, inflammation is one of the major precursors to every major modern Western disease. <clears throat> so you're going to want to avoid sugar as much as possible. Okay. Alcohol is the best. And if you avoid um, the grain based vodkas and go potato vodka, you're doing even better because there's just less toxins. Okay. Vodka will be the best. Second is probably tequila. Uh, it's probably a tie between the next two. Uh, tequila is made from agave, which is, again, is is high in the bad sugar fructose list. But since tequila is fermented, it removes that sugar and it's then distilled and filtered, which means it gets even more of those toxins out of there. And so what you mostly get is uh, pure alcohol. Okay. And that's what you're after if you are going to drink. So you may say, wow, I'm 0 for 2. I hate tequila and I hate vodka. Well, it probably gets worse because the third one is gin. Uh, gin is flavored by juniper berries, which have some antioxidants in it. Not a lot, but some. Um, and that's not so bad. And actually, people used to use gin as a, a medicine back in the day. Um, today, it's just a popular drink. People use gin and tonic. If you're going to drink a gin and tonic, don't drink tonic with sugar in it. By the way, tonic is disgusting. I, that's just my opinion. I can't believe people drink that. Uh, if you're going to go tonic, don't add sugar into it. Um, but if you are going to have, you know, something like vodka or gin in a drink, some people do like Bloody Marys. You can make an actual really high quality organic tomato, um, a good piece of pastured bacon, olive, uh, Bloody Mary uh, with your vodka. And actually could be pretty good. Um, and with, some people do that with gin. So those are the holy trinity, let's say. And that's probably sacrilegious. But let's say that's the holy trinity, quote unquote. Okay, don't. Don't quote me on that uh, in terms of uh, me being a, a, a blasphemous or something like that. But I'm just saying in terms of the best three, vodka, gin, tequila, okay? Um, whiskey makes the list there too. And, and it's made from grains, higher in toxins. Gluten is a no-go. Um, and so you're not going to ever hear me recommend you drink whiskey. But the distillation process is going to take out a lot of the bad stuff. It's going to take out a lot of those toxins. And that's kind of what you're after. You're after something that's highly distilled and that's no sugar. This includes um, things like bourbon, all the variations of it, okay? So that's what we're going with there. Whiskeys also have a uh, sort of a higher amount of special types of antioxidants, so that's pretty good. And it makes a better choice than something like, you know, a wine something in terms of the free radical uh, removing department. And that's kind of what kind of helps, right? Um, and if you do like a whiskey sour with some organic lemon juice, that's pretty good, right? Not so bad. Um, so those are some of the better ones. Again, you're, you're basically picking your poison. And literally, no pun intended. It's not a pun. In general, you're picking your poison. That's what you're doing. Um, what else? What else might you consume? I, I'm going to recommend a few other things to you. 
hard alcoholic kombucha. Hard alcoholic kombucha. There are brands like Flying Ember, like Boochcraft. Um, what are some other ones? Juneshine. Juneshine's a little on the sour side that aren't so bad. And I recommend these because, one, they're fermented. Um, two, they're going to have a lot of, of those gut biome added effects that kombucha typically has. can be help diversify your gut biome population. Not so bad. Although I do recommend a... Um, if you're gonna, if you care that deeply about that, you should probably get a gut biome profile test done, and you can see which, you know, which different ones you have, and you may be overpopulated in one or another, and that may cause some issues. But I actually love, it. I actually think this is a great recommendation. San Diego has a bunch of um, a bunch of the uh, breweries down there you can go check out. Um, so those are some recommendations. They're hard alcoholic kombucha that's very low, especially ones with no sugar. So I should say that as the qualifier again, any of these you add sugar to, it ruins them. So you can get a hard alcohol, a hard alcohol kombucha, and it has tons of sugar. That's a no go, and it's just going to make it worse again. Inflammation. That's what we're trying to avoid. Um, hard alcohol kombucha. My recommendation. My favorite brand, Butchcraft, but also Flying Ember, but also June Shine and and Nova and some of these others. Uh, the next one, dry ciders. Not any hard cider. Dry cider. Okay. Why? Because of the sugar. Sugar is your issue. Dry ciders are gluten-free, so we'll get to that in a second. And another certain fermented drink that may or may not be very popular. Um, but you're gonna get a cider is gonna get rid of a lot of the mold toxins that are found in uh, grains from beer. Uh, apples are pretty decent in that department, um, and so this uh, cider can still stimulate, you know, things like candida or yeast, you know, yeast as an issue for most people. But I still think dry cider is pretty good for you if you are talking about picking a different poison. One you're going to find that you're probably surprised by is the next one, which is drier champagnes. Um, you know, mainly because it's dry, so it's going to have very low sugar and it's also going to have low mold exposure. Um, and that causes a lot of headaches. Uh, the next one on the list, and this is the, you know, if you were thinking on a scale of one to 10 in terms of what you should, what you should drink, if you are going to choose a not vodka, tequila, they're up there in that like nine or 10 in terms of go right. Green dry white wine is our next one. And that'll be around a five or six, maybe, um, because it's lower in mold toxins, right? Red wines have a lot more mold toxins. We'll get to that in a second. I'm going to break some hearts. Like I mentioned, but white wine tends to be drier, so it's lower sugar and it's lower mold exposure. What's next? Red wine. Red wine. Now, red wine is high in yeast. It's high in sugar, typically. And even though most people prefer it, particularly with a steak, it is gonna, those things are going to be problematic for you. Talk about inflammation. Most people get headaches drinking red wine. Um, and... That's true. You're going to get some headaches drinking red wine. It's going to be problematic for you if you do. And that's a lot, has a lot to do with the inflammation. It's going to constrict those blood vessels and it's, you're going to wake up typically with a headache. So be careful. Um, resveratrol is, is something that people say, oh, drink red wine for the resveratrol. You could take res, uh, res V, which is a supplement. If you really care about resveratrol, you can take supplements for it. Um, you can also get it in chocolate or dark chocolate, like 80, 90% plus. So, don't kill yourself going, well, I'm drinking this for resveratrol. Listen, the, the the negative effects of red wine greatly outweigh the benefits of the minuscule amount of resveratrol you're going to get. 
Okay. You're going to get a meaningless amount. So you're really just convincing yourself that it's good for you because you want to drink it, but don't, don't kid yourself. You're drinking a poison and you're drinking a worse type of poison. Okay. Um, anything sweetened in terms of spirit, um, anything with any artificial coloring, uh, those are going to be on the negative list. Okay. Anything like that. So the sugar, again, the artificial colorings we talk about, I've talked about this in another podcast, but red 40, yellow five, blue, whatever, Sounds like a an audible for a football team. Blue, red 40, red 40 or something like that. It's just anyway, the point is it's those are cancer causing. Even the state of California has recently banned it. A lot of times California bans things for the politics of it, for the for the optics. Um, but in this case, they happen to do both at the same time for the politics, but also because um there actually are bad for you. So Skittles, you're gonna have to change your a recipe there. But there's plenty of like liqueurs and spirits that you add into liquors that are typically filled with all of these things, the sugar, the colors, don't drink any of those. Um, they're an abomination unto the Lord. And my friend, the absolute worst thing you could drink, and this is going to break some hearts, I'm so sorry to say, is beer, is beer. Um, not only is a lot of the cheap beer terrible for you, Coors Light, Bud Light. It also tastes horrible. Um, beer contains things like yeast. It's got gluten. It's almost always got those mold toxins because what happens is when they when they pick the grain, um, sometimes they'll spray it and they'll spray the grain and lay it out in the in the uh, in the elements to dry, and that's where the mold gets in and it'll just get in there and get all moldy, and then they'll go ahead and and you know they'll start to you know process it and all that stuff but the point is it's already too late it's contaminated even before being fermented and it makes us one of the worst alcohols you could possibly drink um gluten gluten we've talked about the issues with gluten the um the cross breeding of grains um so it's gmo'd uh to for production speed for price and for uh the 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 addictive addictive nature of it and so it's already really bad for you in that. And so gluten, and, and then now as a result of some of that change, so how we've mucked up God's creation with, with grain, um, once we get it in there and try to mess around with it and all that stuff, then it, our bodies can't handle it and we develop things like celiac disease and all these things. That's why if you were to go overseas and, and eat some grain um, with gluten in it, of course, that doesn't that hasn't been GMO'd in America and changed and crossbred and all that stuff. You actually do a lot better eating like a croissant in France than you do eating a croissant from Costco here in America because of all of those changes. If you're gonna drink a beer, at least get a gluten-free beer, but nonetheless, you're still gonna have a lot of those toxins. So I would say avoid beer. So there you have it, friends. Best choice is vodka, followed by tequila. And gin, then things like whiskey, bourbon, uh, scotch, um, dry cider, hard or sorry, hard kombucha, dry cider, um, dry champagne, and now we're into white, dry white wine. Now we're into sort of like a don't drink territory. So anything sweetened, liqueurs, uh, colored um, red wine, and then beers and lagers, things like that. Don't drink those. Those are the most damaging. Okay, sorry to say. If you have a craft brew hobby um, and you want to live a long time and you want to feel good and you want to perform high at a high level, quit drinking the beer. Stick with a cocktail. 
go-to cocktail would be a vodka water, vodka soda in the club soda, and um, or maybe a tequila soda, or just drink it straight with some ice if you want to really drink it. Nothing with sugar. A few tips for you to help you sort of overcome if you are going to drink, but you don't want to get a headache and you want to feel a little bit better if you are going to drink. Here's my first tip for you. And you already know this one. Drink some water. Drink some water. Drink a glass of water per drink as you drink. So if you have one drink, drink a glass of water with it. One drink, drink a glass of water with it. Hydrating is, you know, alcohol is obviously dehydrating. You may notice how uh, as your liver is processing all of this, you start to go to the bathroom more. You need to replenish those fluids with water. I would also recommend um, uh, drinking some electrolyte packets alongside those. So like things like Element, I'll put a link in the in the description for you. Element will have higher salts, higher potassium, help keep you hydrated and keep all those mineral uh, those uh, those essentials in you. Okay, so that's important. Um, drinking water, drink as much water as you can, and then um, same time as you're drinking alcohol, and then obviously after. The other tip that's really helpful is. Like I talked about the vodka being vodka being um, filtered with charcoal is to take activated charcoal. Taking activated charcoal, activated coconut charcoal will be good for you. Again, they pump stomachs with this stuff. The, co- the charcoal is going to bind to all the toxins and it's going to help you ex- excrete those. So take charcoal. Um, one tablet of charcoal per drink along with water will help you. Okay. You could also take a couple to mop it up at night, but not if you take some extra supplements. One of the supplements I recommend for people is glutathione. Uh, drinking alcohol depletes glutathione. Uh, glutathione is the body's sort of uh, biggest and best antioxidant. Um, if you drink alcohol, it depletes it, and you obviously naturally make this in your liver, so why not help your liver out by taking more glutathione? You can get liposomal glutathione on Amazon. You can get it at a, a health food store. I'm going to put a link for you if you want to get it. I think glutathione at the end of the night is a great option. Not with charcoal because obviously charcoal may bind to it. Um, vitamin C. Taking three or four grams of vitamin C at the end of the night is going to be helpful for you as well. Uh, for immunity, uh, magnesium is another good thing. I recommend Magtech. So magnesium, glutathione, vitamin C, and maybe some B vi- a good B vitamin supplement because your B vitamins are going to get um, sucked up by all that alcohol. So there you have it, friends. If you are going to drink, drink drink the best, most distilled, purest forms, vodka, tequila, gin, maybe a whiskey, maybe a bourbon. But again, if you don't tolerate those things well, don't partake of them. Drink those, hydrate with them, take uh, activated charcoal, glutathione, not at the same time, vitamin C, some B vitamins. And um, did I say, did I say take a mineral supplement? I don't think I did. I think a a trace mineral supplement in the morning when you wake up alongside a a big glass of water with some lemon juice in it um, is going to be really, really helpful for you to be feeling your best. Okay. And I think you'll avoid some headaches if you partake of it. If you want a little recap on my position on alcohol is that the Bible doesn't say you can't drink it. It just says you shouldn't become a drunkard and you shouldn't uh, cause another person to stumble while drinking it. Okay. So that's my position. All right. That's the alcohol episode. I hope this was helpful for you. If you did find it helpful, leave a like uh, or subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Also follow and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. 
and I've also uh, re-put up my um, my Healthy Believer Blueprint course. So if you're looking for biblically-based wellness principles and like what to eat, how much to eat, uh, some exercise tips, and how you can live in like an ex nihilo lifestyle, I've got my course link. I'm going to put that in the description as well. You can also get that at the exnihilohealth.com website. That's it for now. I'll see you on the next one. One more thing, the statements in this video or audio have not been evaluated by the FDA, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Information provided here is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The information provided by this website and or by this podcast is not a substitute for a physician visit and should not be taken as medical advice of any sort or kind. This is a list of resources for further self-research and work with your personal physician if needed. By using any of this information, by watching, listening, or reading it, you are accepting responsibility for your own health and health decisions and expressly release this podcast, its participants, and its websites from any and all liability whatsoever, including that which might come from negligence. Also, don't smoke cigarettes, don't do drugs, stay in school, don't touch hot surfaces, and please wear your safety glasses when cutting wood.